You are listening to Smokin' Theologians, a long-form conversation with hosts Alex Gonzalez and Preston Graham. Alex is a filmmaker, digital creative, and our designated layman. Preston is a church planter and pastor, author, and our theologian. This is Season 2, Episode 15. Might have. That's a great... That's a, that's a great question. Well, here, let's have a cigar. Let's... Oh, no, yeah, you're not smoking today. I know. What's your problem? I have a little bit of a tummy ache, all right? A little bit of tummy ache. Wine, wine, wine. Yeah, that might be a little problem here. Glad you checked that. So today's the last, I was thinking we could start with a song. Oh, come on, you serious? You don't want to ask me to sing. No, maybe not. Maybe You're we'll, maybe, sing? maybe we'll end with no, a, I'll, I'll, let's end with the song. I need, no, no, I need, no, no, I need no, no. a little I want in you me. To sing. I need a little in me. Let's warm up before we start. You, you singing. need a little. Uh, I need juice a little, li- a little, little liquid courage. You know what I mean? Episode fifteen. Episode episode fifteen. Season two. Episode Season fifteen. Two. And Can you imagine that? So uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So we've it's really been fun. Yeah, I must say it's something I look forward to every Thursday. Me too. It's, it's been one of my my really probably most enjoyable thing I've done this this year. That and teaching that Aspires class, that's been a lot of fun. You know, the less the group I've been teaching. I can't get this thing on for Who are you crap. teaching? Good to hear him okay? How am I doing now? Okay, so you talking? Alex I'm talking. talking. Alex I've been talking. We've been talking. Talking, talking, talking. Just smoking. Smoking theologians. Okay. I must say we have a cool a little, name. A little better? A little Smoking. I gotta keep doing Smoke, that though. Smoking. I'm not gonna talk like that the whole time. Uh-huh. Right the ground. Yeah. Cheers to a good last, last second season time. episode. Now we, we're gonna be back next year, right? I hope. That's our hope. We're planning to be here. I hope so. We got some good thoughts coming on. We're thinking about engaging some other third parties and and um, areas where we would typically think of them that group being on another side. Yeah. So I think we're looking at maybe uh, engaging other religions, other philosophies, and having the people here that actually believe those philosophies, not trying to create straw men. We've always I think that's been important. sensitive not to do that. I think that's important because you know often we're like, well, they, they think this and they think that, and I think it's I think it's appropriate for them to be in the the, the room it's, with us it's and amazing. speak for themselves. I agree, and it's amazing when you put two people humanly together that there's a humanity that then informs the way the conversation goes. And, I, and we typically will like each other. We can show that we can like each other and disagree. We need that right now in our world. We need to show people how to, that, that we don't have to go to the, the extreme of canceling everyone yeah. in order to have our righteous you know, agenda satisfied. In fact, we might accomplish much better. So we're saying tentatively next year we'll, we're going to kind of switch it's up the format. All tentatively, all tentatively. We got to get funding and all that kind of stuff together. But. Switch up the format and invite leaders of different faiths. And, and that's one idea. Yeah, that's yeah. one idea. If you had any other ideas? Uh, no, I love that idea. I'll be, I'll, I'll sit right here and I'll, I'll keep you guys from pecking no, no, each but other. No, no, that's too. the key. We got to keep the layman voice very prominent here. 
Well, you're you're you are half this show at least. I, I, but I, I I just don't want to. I gang don't want up. you to be the moderator. No. No 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 no. I, I can want get you the to gong. Be, I can get the gong. I want you to be an, the presence of the layman. Yeah, get the gong. That'd be cool. <laughs> get the gong. <laughs> A gavel at least. So how have we been doing in this show? I mean, I'd be so, curious. Yeah, I know. What's been going on? You got some stats? I got some stats. I got some stats. Let's see. Okay, this will be interesting. Smoking theologians, season one and two stats. Well, I have a lot of stats. Let's let's. Well, let's give us look. the big ones. Don't don't okay, get too minutiae okay. on us. I got a lot of stats. Give me a second. How many people total have listened to this? I know that's what you want. I got the other. I got the other. Give me a second. Yeah, give me that other one. Give me that good one. People can get lost here. Okay. How many nationalities have we had? I can get there. Okay. He didn't answer any of my questions. He's just talking about getting there. What do you want me to pull it out of my, yeah, my booty? I'm starting to get you're the, the stats. You're the geek guy, man. But I'm not going to make up a. I'm not going to make up a number. Come Give me a on, second. Man. She's Louise. Geek um, number. You, you're a geek head over there. This is listen. This is not on-demand stats <laughs> with Alex. This is smoking the. Okay. All right. All I'm, time, we're wired up. All today. time plays since our launch from season one, October. 2021. So, so we've that, only been, yeah, only since October. I thought we'd started earlier. Okay. That's when, like, we launched it. Right. Day one. Since then, audio, people have played it 834 times. Wow. It's pretty good. And this is the wild, this is the, stat, this is the stat that and I don't And we really, really haven't marketed this. We, we just sort of put it out there to our little huddle. Our little... We're gonna maybe do some better marketing next year too, but well, that's like kind of like thing. Like we need in, to get attached to blogs. Yeah, and stuff in, like in that. our in our interim season, we're we're gonna kind of push. So if we come really uh, become really annoying and solicitatious, you know that we have a, good intentions. All time plays video. This has surprised me since our launch in October 2021. 2,300 plays. So why does that surprise you? Because I thought no one was watching the sugar. So, so you're surprised that more people, did more people do, I think, I would have thought most people would have listened to audio. Is that true or not? Not according to the stats. I mean. Again, tell me the stats. So the audio was how much? 834. Oh, it's a huge amount more podcasts. And, but now here it is. Like, I think this is YouTube counting. Like if you were to hit play, watch it for five minutes, so that might include all that. Yeah. So, so it'd be a let, less. I do think from people I'm talking to, uh, more people, myself included, listen in the car versus watching. So. Yeah, I'd be curious. I don't know. Um, I mean, a lot of people could be watching, hearing it on YouTube. Like you, you, you put the phone on, you put yeah. it down. It's not like you're actually watching it all, but it's still playing through YouTube, right? I could see that. I do that. I do that sometimes. You yeah, want, you like want, you you're want sitting there washing the dishes. You got it on, and you want some more sets. Yeah, sure. You want to know our most popular episode? Well, last season it was the it was a the top, first one had to be. It that was, was the, the first one. It was, it was with the uh, Sir Je Jefferson Bennett was yep. the most popular yep. episode number well, one. Well, he actually surged his, I noticed. So that's good. He went out there and bumped it. Our our second most popular is with Mike Brunges. Ex-evangelicalism, that's interesting. And our third, really close behind, is with Karen Peck. Yep, our... Uh, our the district attorney. This season, our well, most... No, federal prosecutor. Fed, the, yeah. the Fed. This uh, season, the most popular was... 
a tie between, pretty much a tie, like two numbers difference okay. between the temple creation. Temple creation. We were talking that's, about all the orgies in the nice. woods. Oh, that got him, the orgies? The orgies in the woods, which we got to go there, by the way. If we we do one of these this summer, we, we got to. We are. I've already got it on my calendar when we're going to be there. And the second was the Imago Day. Really? Yeah. Imago Day. Okay. Most people who listen to this are 77% male. Oh, man. 23% female. Our cigars turning the female population off, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to increase that. Um, most common age range, surprisingly, is 28 to 34. Why is that surprising? I would have expected that. I thought it would be a little older. Uh, see, I would have thought that if age. We're so reformed, you know. Well, I don't think, though, this that... This is like uh, highbrow art. You know, I'm not. This is not. Well, for the, this is not for the millennials frap, are highbrow. This is not for. Look how I'm dressed. This is no, not for the frappers. I, I would definitely have thought this um, was a millennial. Second was 35 to 44. Third was 23 to 27. So, really, we got some 18 year olds in the four percent range. Yeah, my cousin in Atlanta, who's in that range, said he started listening to it. Geographic location, 95% United States. Which we'd figure. Coming in a hot second, Japan. Japan? <laughs> yeah. Japan. Wow. With wow. 2%. And then the third is uh, the UK and everything else, so. Well, that's fun. So that's what are we those, doing today? So today we're just, what are we, yeah, today we're just kind of like a hodgepodge of just like questions and answers. And we've been asking the community to submit questions. We don't have like kind of a topic today. We're kind of just No topic, just off the this cuff is where and, you could ask any question. And listen, I'll be honest. If, if we're if we're running short on questions, you got plenty. I huh? have a couple of my own. So, and off screen, I'm sure we can short. get to them. We'll 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 keep it brief. Off screen, not not that brief. Off screen, we have our producer Annie is going to be reading the questions. I wish we could get the, hello, I should probably hello, take a hello. picture of you yeah, right well, now. We need a little, I need a little, I'll do a quick little, kind of what do you oh, want you it? can put that in there. We'll, we'll throw it in. All right, Annie. Oh, oh that's a great shot. Are you shot. taking video This is a video, yeah. No, take a still picture too. All right, fine. Oh, cameras from every angle. Okay, can we start with the yeah, question? Please. Okay, you're all mic'd up, right? Okay, probably the most asked question. I'm more nervous about that. I mean, this is going to come at me like a barrage, I'm sure. Us. I'm a little nervous because I thought I was going to be asking the questions and it was going to be all on you, but now Now I'm it's on you. No, your, your, your voice is 50% of this now. All right, this I want to hear your perspective on these things. This is serious. Okay, serious question. Are your sock choices intentional? Are, are, say that again. <laughs> Ask him first. <laughs> are your sock choices intentional? No. Yes. Have you noticed mine? Woo! Going a little wild. I'm showing have. ankle. I'm showing ankle this today. You know, the, the sun's out, guns out. Well, Alex, this is for you. Uh, how do you decide how much skin to show? <laughs> oh! <God. laughs> There's somebody watching this with an eye here. I did. How much skin do you decide to show? I've been showing show? a lot of ankle lately, and, and it, it, apparently it's... Has it's, he ever showed his belly? He hadn't done that. Yeah. attention. I have seen on the YouTube comment... You do have sexy legs, I must say. I was actually voted Mr. Sexy Legs, but we're not going to I mean, talk look at those that. legs. There they are. <laughs> okay, look now, at them. Now show them, baby. Great, great, great <laughs> con. Um, 
This yeah, is definitely this is, more this shook than the theology. Smoking. I was just warming uh, you up, okay? All right. Okay. You definitely warmed. I, 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 you, I didn't, you I didn't warmed know Alex up, man. Yeah. I didn't know the skin was top. I didn't. That's unintentional. Just, all right. Let's go. Okay. I don't need my glasses. As a millennial. Why should I take vows to join a church of older people who make little effort to understand my perspectives on faith, family, and participation in society? Woo! Wow. All right. Go. You're a millennial, right? I don't think I'm, am I a millennial? I'm, I'm, I'm about to. You are a millennial. All right, I'm a millennial. So tell me, how, how do you, re, do you resonate with that question a little bit? Uh, yeah, because if it was up to me, I wouldn't. <laughs> Uh, well, to be honest, honest, I, I would look for a church with young people. But yeah. now that I'm in a congregation where the young millennial, if you will, is a, min a minority. Oh, I don't think you're a minority. It, sometimes it feels that way. Yeah, I bet that feels that way to the other group, too. Sure. Well, some people have said to me, why are we... get a little defensive. Let why, me... See, some people say to me, why are we always catering to the millennials? And now the millennials are saying, why are we always catering to the boomers? Yeah. We got a big problem here. It's a legitimate problem. So m my, ahead, my answer to the old geezers listening. Okay, here we go. Who aren't statistically. Yeah, who aren't statistically listening, but who, who, are, who are part of our church. Um, you know, at first it wouldn't be my first choice to, what's the, what's the exact question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> this is gonna be a long show. <laughs> Why should I take vows to join a church? Gotcha. And then specifically of older people who make little effort to understand my perspectives on faith, family, and participation in society. So vows and then the generation. I don't want to put a blanket answer over that because it's, I think, everyone's individual story. Why are you choosing this specific church? Right. I think in a way that's between you and God and, and God orchestrates. orchestrates. But, but you do, but I didn't want to cut you off, so let, forgive me if I did. But I hear you saying you resonate with the question, though. I did. I was kind of playing with it. So tell me why. Tell me what's going because on. Because if it was up to me, I would be in a church with younger folks um, for selfish reasons. Like? Like? Yeah. Um, well, socially, and you know, I'm a single guy, and yeah, you know this. <laughs> slim pickings, slim pickings. Yeah, and I'll be honest <laughs> with you. In, 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 I can't believe I'm saying all this. In the past, I have gone to churches specifically with that bad intention of maybe I'll meet my spouse there because yeah. everyone's young and pretty. But now that I'm here, I really do see the value of how. If everyone's just of the same age, same like mind, it can get hoorah, hoorah real quick. Um, and we can almost dismiss the older saints. Yeah. Um, so what I think is so cool, it's like, I love having those different generations, you know, to, to learn. Even like when we have dinners at Compline, it's, you know, probably the youngest by like 40 years. And I love it. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a way to, to share wisdom. And I'm sure, I mean, do you guys get anything from us? You guys, huh? I'm a you guys now. Yeah. But I am. Obviously. Um, read the question one more time. There was something about <laughs> the way it said that I wanted to react to that. As a millennial, why should I take vows to join a church of older people who make little effort to understand my perspectives on faith, family, and participation? That's a loaded question. My first question. reaction. That's a loaded question. Was, it is loaded, and I'm, I appreciate it being loaded because it kind of gets to the... I, I, I know people think like that. And honestly, 
I, I confess that the boomer generation could ask the same question. They would say, why should I join a church with millennials who are not interested or do not respect my understanding of religion, let's say, I can't remember. I feel that, I feel that as a pastor of a church that's pretty evenly divided, I think, between boomer age and millennial age. And, um, and my answer to that would be, gosh, I guess I wanna turn it on its head. Why would you want to join a church that's so boring as to be one generation or one tribe or one people group, especially in a, in a spirituality that boasts that, you know, its, its union together transcends all worldly categories, you know? And so if Christianity is as powerful as we think it is, then where we see these natural tribalizations and cancellations from one tribe to another happening in our world, this should be the one place where we can celebrate and exalt that we have a power here, we have a kind of relationship here, a community here that can be intimate and it can cross generational lines. I do appreciate the question because there seems to be a lot of attention on race and gender, but I, and, and at least recently, less socioeconomic, which I think is a huge issue that needs social justice, personally. Um, but there needs to be more social justice reconciliation between generationalism, I guess, if that's the right word. And um, I really feel that. I, 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 as a pastor, can tell you that by far the greatest challenge in our church, we, we're multiracial to, to, you know, to some degree. Um, but the, I think one of the great challenges that we just don't talk enough about is the generational challenge. And it affects, you know, what you want, love and want in music, what you want and love in leadership style. Leadership style is huge difference. Um, you know, clothing, what you listen to, what you watch, your use of technology, it just goes on and on. Events. Events. Like social events. You yeah. Know. And, but I'll tell you, the people who've been here and I hear both sides, even. I, I hear both the, I hear both the, I mean, most of my ministry is millennials right now, to be honest, and in terms of the time that I spend. And I hear many of my friends, millennials in the church say, I really wish I could get to know the older people better. And I hear the same thing from the older people saying, I really wish we had more interaction with some of the younger people because we do have a lot to offer each other. You know, we really do. Um, where the newer generation is, the younger generation is going to be much more wonderfully and beautifully technologically savvy, a little bit more um, idealistic in a good way. The older generation is going to have a little bit more um, cynicism. I think the ethics of the two generations are very different. The way we view work and et. Uh, life and work balance, the way we view. That's a great point. I, I recently read an article about how like, real quick to talk about work, how we're in the first generation that's questioning why, what am I doing with my work? Like, oh, it came, I was in a pastor's, all senior pastors meeting this morning. That became a very big decision. And it like was, feeling all fulfilled. these pastors were, well, we have one, at least one millennial pastor in there, uh, but he called himself a grandfather millennial. I didn't even know we had that. Frame, but a grandfather millennial was the category, huh? 
geriatric millennials. Elder millennials. So he's a geriatric millennial. He didn't put it that way, but that, he said elder. But um, but but we were all, you know, honestly, and I actually defended the millennials in this company. They were all kind of coming down on the millennials in terms of their ethic and, and vocation and work and the way it's created some problems in the corporate world and in particularly the church world even. And we were dealing with a situation that had happened, um, which I won't obviously go into. But uh, so I think I really get excited, really, really excited about you and me, the friendship that we've enjoyed and, and the way in which we've been able to engage that. I've enjoyed the, I enjoy being in a church that's multi-generational. So I guess my, my, my yeah, so bottom what, line So what are you gonna to say is, to this guy? I would say, why in the world wouldn't you celebrate it? And why wouldn't that be actually what we should promote? Yeah. That we have an opportunity in this church to see the full and, to, and the fuller Jesus. To see, if, we, if our thesis of the church is that Christ is in the mystical communion with the body of Christ, that therefore Christ's flesh is located in the flesh of the people, wouldn't it be boring if the only Jesus we knew was a millennial or a boomer? Wouldn't it be much more exciting that we would know a boomer Jesus and a millennial Jesus? So I'm all over that question. That was a good question. Thank you, whoever, who, whoever did that. Yeah. Here's a good follow-up. Listen to the whole thing and then we can pick it apart. What is the purpose of church? Can a church become too seeker-friendly? Is there a place and time where we should attract people to attend church with worldly entertainment to encourage them into the body of believers? You, yeah, you got you got some stuff on that, don't you? <laughs> you got a history. So, what is the purpose of church? <laughs> that I'll leave to you. Oh no, I thought you were going to go. For I, I want the second question. Okay, the part two. What was go, the part two? Start with the second question then, or the part two. Can a church become too seeker friendly? Seeker friendly. Is there a place in time where we should attract people to attend church with worldly entertainment to encourage them into the body of Okay, time out. Everyone needs to do a bow right now. Do you hear what's playing? Um listen, listen. Almond brothers. Almond brothers. He's, Come on. These boomers with their almond brothers. Come on, brothers I'm a boomer almond brother right here. All this stuff. I've never heard this song. Oh, come on. I know. Okay. Sister, you are in for a treat. I'm going to give you a CD of the Almond Brothers. Oh, i got to play it. This is Southern Rock, but it's, but it's, I didn't say, a, well, okay, I'll you give you my a, digital. You did say a CD. And I, I don't, don't want to talk about C CDs because I was really I know, and I was the one telling you I don't want CDs. Well, my point is. See? My point is, is that this is like music in its finest. Taking the, 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 the rhythm and blues culture, bringing it into the little rock. Oh, it's, listen to this, listen to this. Is it telling us the purpose of church? So this is a good segue. This is a good, so worldly entertainment, go. right? You were entertained. Probably. But I wouldn't bring this in, well, a little well, bit of it like maybe. A, maybe here's like a, a sidestep question, because I've been talking, I don't know if I want to say this out loud and publicly, but I've been talking about the concept of starting a beer, um, <laughs> starting a church beer, and that's a whole other conversation. And you already told me about this, and I already told you, absolutely, it's a great idea. CPC Brew. There um, you go. You I know, love You that. know the crew. Um, 
There you go. Okay, you got to get to this. Okay, okay question get here. to the question. So, so the concept of like, yeah, I've been to churches we where are out it's, of control here. It's all about like seeking and and finding the new believer, finding the lost uh, child. So, as a layman, how do you feel about that? Is that something you I think want to be a part of? Or I not? think that's important if it's like a a sub ministry almost. But like, I yearn as a layman person who goes to a congregation to be fed uh, a little bit more meat. Uh, I was I was upset in other churches I went to where it was it was just I don't want to say 101 stuff, but I, I really appreciate like the diving a little bit deeper into more scholarly theology stuff that I wouldn't have known. At least it prompted me to explore more. I know Jesus loves me, you know. I know I need I know I'm a sinner, and, and you know I'm not trying to dismiss that because it's it's really helpful to be reminded. Well, that's got to be all the theology in the world's got to be rooted in the gospel. Yeah. And it has to be gospel oriented or it becomes dead orthodoxy. So we all know that's got to be there. And it does it's not like you have, oh, I'm going to be gospel centered and missional or something over here. And we're going to do theology over here. No, good theology is gospel centered and missional. But, but seeking, I mean, what does that mean? Is well, that, does that mean to, to trying to reach people who are far from the church? Is that, that's how I understand the question. Well, I think the, the term comes out of a, uh, that became kind of a code for a church who sees itself as seeker sensitive or seeker friendly, i.e. when we come together for worship, we are wanting that worship to be an evangelistic service. And yet what kind of slips in, at least to the question, was the assumption that to do that, we must engage more the the entertainment sectors, the, you know, more contemporary sectors that, and see, I think there's nothing problem, real quick, because I think there's no problem with that, but it has to be indirect. As soon as we have the agenda that we're going to put on this rock concert because we want you to go to church, people smell that from a mile away and it, and and people feel like they're being manipulated and it's like a Venus flytrap. I think it's cool to just have entertainment for entertainment's sake and like, yeah, we're a church by the way, but we don't, I, we do care if you come, but like, you know what I mean? Like we're, our goal here is not to sign you up for church. And that's, so this question is, that's where I, even yeah. as a believer, I felt very manipulated by churches where like free beer on, or free coffee on us, you know? And Well, you said manipulation. I think that's a really, I mean, there's a theological answer to this question that I, I feel like I should probably give this guy cause he's looking for it. But before I get there, um, I do think I, when I first became a Christian out of a very non-Christian world, I was engaged in a uh, full gospel kind of movement, charis- a little bit charismatic. And it didn't take me long before I felt that feeling that I'm being manipulated emotionally. That, you know, I was at least alert to know that what they're doing with the music is intentionally manipulating my emotions in a way that I'm getting ramped up. I'm permitting up, you know, in this sort of sense and getting me to an ecstatic. And it didn't escape me as a very young Christian that they weren't asking me the decision questions until after I was amped up. And often in the guise that the Holy Spirit is present. And um, so I do think there are more and more people that are becoming sensitive to that, that Religion can be manipulative in a lot of ways. It can be manipulative with power use, with entertainment use. I mean, entertainment is power, you know, and, you know, even the great John Calvin believed so, he had such a high view of the arts 
that I think wrongly at least, in this case, he banished the arch almost from his service. You know, and he did that. I mean, is that that's that's true? You're the musician here, and um, and I feel like that's a an overreaction personally. But but I think he at least we should all not not skip over that that music and the arts is very 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 powerful, and therefore it needs to be I think leveraged and utilized very very uh, regulatively in a way that that seeks to you know, think very deeply theologically about the meaning of worship, who's the object of our worship, God evidently, and how does this satisfy that, that those goals that are more theologically, biblically rooted. It's the goal of just making converts to me is, it's, it's just a partial truth, you know, and so maybe going to the theological part of the answer, you know, there's a little article that I know I read when I was planning the church that Tim Keller wrote a while back that I think it's just called evangelistic worship. And he really takes on the, the uh, seeker sensitive, seeker, seeker friendly idea as a false dichotomy a little bit. And he, he, uh, he was talking at the time about a Willow Creek church model and and he did a nice little study uh, through the scripture, both the Old and New Testament, that showed that, that clearly worship was intended for the nations. It, it was meant to be accessible to the nations, people who would come, who would be, quote, proselytes or seekers in the Old Testament, Jews. And in the New Testament, we see it. We see it in Acts, in the first New Covenant church that's formed there, and where unbelievers were present, and they were being saved. So. On the one hand, you'd have some who, this debate that is the church discipling Christians in their worship service, or is it converting people to Christianity in the worship service? And I just categorically reject that false dichotomy. I think God and God truth ought to be as relevant to a believer as to an unbeliever and a way that, that transcends all of that in a, a little bit. It's not to say that we don't need to be, you know, crafting our service in a way that's accessible. to the. So to me, the question is understanding the, the demographic and the vernacular of the community that, we're see, that we have opportunity to reach. And are we doing our service in a way that both glorifies God and is confessionally or biblically grounded and rooted in what we do and regulated biblically in what we do and don't do and yet done so in a manner that speaks to the gospel in the words again of Keller in another article he talks about the gospel being the both the A's, B's, C's and the XYZ's if you think about the range of Christianity that that those who are brand new Christians are coming to Christianity the gospel is relevant to them and the gospel is relevant to those who've been a Christian for 50 years. So I'm a little nervous about that, that false dichotomy a little bit, that we should be accessible to all people um, and yet believe in the power of the gospel and the gravity and the bigness of the gospel, that it, it can be challenging your idols of a Christian being 50 years old, and it can be challenging the idols of someone who's not even a believer. And seeing the 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 other, you know that, and so, and there's some other things, but yeah, I think that, that at the end of the day, though, 
because worship is something that Christians are compelled to come to in Scripture, I think we have to be careful to, we have to be as, as concerned about regulating creativity in worship that we don't end up binding people's conscience and doing things that God has not asked us to do in worship. So we would regulate, see, in like, other words, like it's not just five, about being creativity. Like, like high five your neighbor. Well, it's just being careful that, that there's, we, there's a lot deeper level conversation that, that we don't want to do here, but we distinguish between the elements of worship and the forms that those elements take. Forms are something that's directed by scripture. Elements is something that's regulated by scripture. And just for the listener to hear those distinctions, that's something that your church should be doing, is asking what has God specifically prescribed for us to be doing in worship? We believe worship was carefully choreographed in scripture. We follow the worship that was in type inaugurated in the temple administration that continues we see in the new covenant church and is beautifully portrayed in apocalyptic language in chapter four and five of revelations and so we actually are doing the worship of heaven every sunday that's what we do five elements within it and i won't go through that and yet at the same time we do it with an expectation that people from the city are walking in for the first time and the way we talk and the way we do things. We try to, we, and we have a long way to go. I'll be the first to confess that we're still working that out. Well, that's a pretty, you think that answered it? I don't know if I heard all of it. I think we have a comment. Yeah. I was gonna say that uh, it was interesting how that, the question of seeker friendliness plays into the earlier question of finding a church that fits you. Yeah. And how, so much of music and entertainment right now, and at least in evangelical culture, plays into that marketing, you know, subculture of um, trying to identify your target audience and you know, making me feel like I belong here, and just how, yeah, just how dangerous that can be in terms of looking for a church that only caters to my you know, natural comforts or my natural So how do you, I agree, so how, how would you manage the accessibility question with the tribalism problem? How, how does that, there's a tension there, you got, you know. Yeah, yeah, so there, so I remember hearing one of my professors in undergrad say, if you are, and, and he would teach on this regularly at his church, but he would say, if you are comfortable 70% of the time in your church or more then you're in the majority it's catering to your culture and what that did just by stating it was it it made me it made me and everybody in the room kind of go oh wow discomfort at 30% or less still means I'm in the you know, majority and how much are other people feeling discomforted at times that's very very helpful and so I think things like that, where you're talking about it, you're naming it, and you're helping people sort of identify where they are, and it just sort of sets a healthy perspective of thinking about other people yeah. that are present, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's very helpful. And I would add to that then, instead of just asking the question, is our music accessible and relevant to the people that are in the room, we really need to be conscious of who's outside this building and who's around this building in this parish model. And so if, if, if those folks are, if there are people within a real genuine 
you know, uh, demographic accessibility to your church, geographically, whatever, but they're not there, why? And music, I think, is a huge yeah. issue. Because people identify with music. To that point, I mean, you it's something that you could call like the walking test. If you could take a walk around mm -hmm. the neighborhood in your church mm -hmm. and on any given day and just listen for what sort of stuff is playing through the speakers on cars or through the people's homes or, yeah. you know. And if, if those styles and genres are not present in your yeah. church, then you have a cultural So I'm, I'm totally gap. buying into this. I love this. This is exactly what we need to be talking about. I can hear the, the maybe the questioner saying, but Okay, so, but how far do we go in being culturally informed or, or demographic informed? Is there a place for sacred music? And it was interesting, um, we never even talked about what's the purpose of the church question. So let me go to that. We have like a three-parter on that. I know, we had at least three questions in that one. We have a three-part You snuck it in there, guys, you snuck it in. Yeah. So let's, let's but, it, but this is a good segue episodes. back to that because so what is the purpose of the church? Um, I mean, okay, the most right. simple answer. One sentence. Yeah. One sentence? Because we have three episodes about this. Well, I'm gonna then add two sentences. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, okay, so the, the purpose of the church is to glorify God by making disciples of Christ. How about that? Good job. Um, and I emphasize making disciples of Christ because what can very quickly happen, and I, I revert back to an earlier age of our church, We've always been very blessed with uh, classically trained musicians. We're, we're literally a block away from the Yale School of Music. And, um, and we would get a lot of classically trained people, which we've loved, and they, they're still a part of our church. Um, and um, our, our first two music directors were classically trained and were here to be classical musicians. One, a composer who's now made a big name for himself, but I won't embarrass him and another is a guitarist, a, uh, a concert guitarist. And um, both of them, we would have these conversations over beer a lot, and, and part of the thing that they encountered, even as, as, as classically trained musicians, was classically trained musicians coming in with a very deep passion for s classical sacred music, and the way in which there was a view that that would be high church, or high art, or and I remember teaching to them saying, I, have, I take offense at ever applying the word high to any culture. In other words, what, what makes high, high? Is it Eurocentric because it's, it's high because it's Eurocentric? Well, that's just pure colonization, imperialism, whatever you want to call it, you know, and the Bible doesn't recognize, you know, Britain is, is like that or Chinese like that, you know, and, they all, within each of their cultures, you could describe it, there could be within each of their cultures something high, classical about it, and, and low, uh, you know, populous about it. So in their situation, I remember, we had to wrestle with, okay, so what are you going to go back and say to these guys? Because they all were on board with the fact that the church was here to make disciples. And I said, well, go back and say, we're here to make disciples. We're not here as a movement for say classical music or a movement for say contemporary music or a movement you see in other words we have to distinguish what are we here to do we're here to make disciples followers of christ and and to do that we want them to we want christ to be in the flesh that they are in and yet always lurking always being quick to 
to search out what are the idols of those cultures. Remember, with that music, with that style can come idols. So it's a really complex, music to me is honestly one of the most complicated theological questions you could ever ask me. I really mean that. And I think the, anyone that would reduce it to just seeker friendly and or discipleship friendly, that really misses a lot of deep theological discussion. You know, it's, it's I, have, I have friends who are musicians and I often tell like, I don't maybe this is middle, but I don't I don't, I, 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 I often compliment the music because I think I think the music we have going on now is like a wild blend of like old sacred music with like kind of like a modern folk punk twist and I love it and I think it's interesting for people who play music so I think it's a good blend but let's let's move on your next question is if my non-Christian friends are reluctant to participate in any remotely religious activities, how does the church empower me to reach them and help them know God? Awesome question. Thank you. What do you um, think? You resonate with that? You got a lot of non-Christian friends that I do. wouldn't want to come to church? I do. Yeah, I know you do. I do. What do, what do you think about that question? How does the church empower me to... Well, well I take... How I, should the church reach people like that is what I'm basically saying. Is it how getting. it does or how should? It's a big one. I think the instance is should. I, it, they're looking for how to do it. How does the church? How does. How does the church, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, I would like a little bit more tool set. I know you. I know you have classes and and about that and, and specifically. And I know we 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 yeah. You, you you're a covenant member of this place. We have these. We have but yeah. But no, no, I want to hear what you're saying. But yeah. it's 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 always a tough one. You know, I have friends who I'll hang out for months and months and months without. I I like this. Is, maybe this is my personal style. I don't know. But I I like people gradually getting to know me first before I I pull the trigger. I pull the, the you know the holy the Holy Spirit trigger on them, and I rarely do, um, because I think it's important for me at least to establish a level of trust. And also, listen, I'm not un, I don't love people. I'm not trying to get people to church to be honest. And I know maybe that's a controversial thing, but I I, I can't tell you how many times how many examples of my life where years later people who I thought would never go to church are texting me like, hey, I'm looking for a church. Who just know that I'm a Christian. That's the key thing right there. Who know that I'm a Christian. That you've come out of the closet though. You don't hide that. I don't hide that I'm I a Christian. I know you don't. You're pretty tough. But I'm not, I'm not in their face, shaming yeah. people right. because I once was on the other side of the tracks. And I know that in that mentality when I was there, if somebody was like, bro, you need Jesus, I would have I gone tell him to fly a kite, you know? in another way of talking and and I don't know maybe I'm wrong because I, I I think it's all very individual you have to know what kind of friends you have you have to learn them first you know right. you can't just I, and I and sometimes to me I, I've been with Christians who it's I feel very cringy when they yeah. when they're around non-believers and then they're like yeah. hey do you know Jesus and I'm like oh yeah that just got them away from, in my opinion from the Lord for like three yeah. years yeah I know. For the people I know. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking as you were talking. Um, so, so I'm not really answering anybody, the question, how's the church prepare me? With good theology yeah. and, and with a sense of a, 
uh, assurance and a sense of um, that it, in a way that it's and it's very liberating that it's not essentially my as a layman to my understanding my responsibility to save people um, I can I'll invite them to church and I have um, but only if I feel like they really want to go it's interesting the question um, because when I think back in my youth before I was what 20 years old and I became a Christian I was always sort of wanting someone I was always kind of I wasn't re, I wasn't um, I wasn't in I almost wanted it but it's because I hadn't yet had a lot of negativity with it I was just it was just not in my life it was irrelevant more than anything and so if you stop and think about it I think if it weren't for the church and all of its programming that can be, I think what you said, a manipulative or push, you know, in a way that is not treating me like a human really, but treating me like a project, I think a lot of people would be very interested. I mean, we're talking about really big questions about life and meaning and love and how to have relationships and, but those are just the felt needs, but the bigger needs about purpose in life and life after death and and you know, how do I get at peace with myself? And there's enough revelation according to the scripture out there for everyone to know God. And it's still pounding me every day I go out in the nature in, in a beautiful way. So why would we want someone to talk about it, right? So I think ironically, the very programs that have often been utilized, they, they have in common that they objectify people. They just start, People do not like being objects of a, of a campaign. And so the objectification of people by the church, I think, and, and, I, and it's done in all good intent. I mean, I've been part of this, unfortunately, in my past, especially in where it's like, I feel Christians are feeling guilty that if they go, if they do something with someone and they don't share the faith, that they're somehow a bad Christian. And it seems like to me, the Bible talks a lot more about love a lot more about authenticity and being you as a Christian is a witness. And that means one that's read, readily wanting to talk about it if it's relevant and if it comes, if it's an opportunity that's real. But to have these forced, you know, pushing kind of questions as if I'm not really a good Christian, if I'm not basically, I don't know, almost rude, in the way, you know, you, you, you know, so I know, and I've seen this in, uh, I have a story in my mind that I won't share because it, it, it you know, but someone. Uh, uh, Be careful what you tell your pastors. Yeah, yeah, end yeah. Up in well, a no, this is actually in ministry. I've seen many instances, and I'm having one in my head now, but uh, many instances where very good, beautiful, lovely Christians under the, um, weight of saying to be to please God I need to be pushing Christ on people every opportunity I get and if that becomes the sole measure of am I a good and faithful Christian witness I think that's very dangerous that that I then see my neighbor as someone that whenever I'm with them I'm trying to curb every conversation into a conversation about Jesus. And I know I can do that. Uh, I've been tempted to do that. 
and have done that. And I'm guilty of not talking about him enough. Well, but I think if we could all just take a deep breath yeah. and say, let's just be real. I mean, the fact is my Christianity and I know your Christianity is real. It's, it's, it's infectious to me. It's, it's in my mind all the time in the sense that I just live with him. He's part of my consciousness, God is. And for God to be part of your consciousness and for you to be living in the, the reality of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the reality of everything I believe about God and the world and the worldview that I have, it's all part of my life. So I don't, for me, the real focus needs to be so he's, I think there's some other issues that needs to go to the question, but the, it starts, as you say, with developing real, authentic, friendly, personal relationships with people, getting involved in their life. For the sake of friendship. Just my, for the sake that, of friendship, that's exactly. What I, I, and I'm not, I, I really, I'm, 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 Exactly, I that's what I'm saying. And there are people who I've known for 10 years, I've never, who know I'm a Christian, I've never really talked about Jesus with, but if they were to come up with me, for sure. So I think, and what will happen in the in the course of everyday conversation, things will come up where my Christian worldview will, because I'm being authentic, it will come out. And it will come out in the way I think of life. It'll come out in the way I raise my children. People will see these things. They'll look at these things. They'll go, that's interesting. I like the I, I like this way you and your wife interact. I mean, tell me about that. I, I you know, how did you find that? People are all out there talking about their therapists, they're talking about their you know, different, you know, books that they've read and helping books. And we do that already. People are already going to ask you, well, have you been reading anything? I mean, what's, what's your style of raising your kids? How do you and your wife do well together? And that's going to be an opportunity for just to very, very naturally. So I think it starts with engaging people authentically as friends with love and with, and, and making, and always testing yourself. Would I want to be with this person if they never become a Christian? Would I still be here? What, what, in other words, is being a Christian the kind of litmus test as to whether or not I'm doing a good job or not, or whether or not I'm being a good person, whatever. So that'd be the first thing. But the second thing I think he's getting at is how, what can the church do corporately? And I think, you know, I'm really, especially now in a post-Christian era, becoming a big fan of what some people call third spaces. And we're in a third space right now. Um, where it's not a space that belongs to me personally, my home, and it's not a space that belongs to the church. It's a space that belongs to you and me, Don over there, those people over there. It's all of our space. It's a public space, and it it equalizes things, and it's safe, you know. Here, um, I don't control this space. And ironically, a lot of people think that the best thing you can do is get them into your home. Definitely hospitality, home hospitality is a beautiful thing, but there's a lot of stuff that comes at you really fast when you go into someone's home. You know, you see where they are in their socioeconomic world, you see what they are in a lot of their worldviews. I mean, you'll see a lot of stuff and you're also a visitor still. You're in their turf. And while that's beautiful, I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, I would love to see a lot more hospitality. It's also focused. hard to disagree with somebody when they invite you over for exactly. dinner, cook the dinner for you, yes. and now what? They're and then you have a dinner, and, and then, then all you of feel a sudden, like they neatly in the dessert time manage this thing 
into a conversation about Jesus Christ. So then what, what am I, if I was on the fence, what am I going to argue? I'm be like, I, I would be like, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah maybe, exactly. Maybe, maybe. It's not an authentic situation. Yes, maybe. I'll so I think, sure. I think I would really say so. for churches to, to um, really encourage, we, we're doing some things. We, we have a grant. We, we have money that we set it for as a grant say, look, if you want to have a party with your friends, let us help you do that if you don't have the money to do it. I didn't it. know that. Yeah, we have a we have a, a hospitality we call it a hospitality grant. Okay. And it's just helping people to do something and um, you know, and it's and again, the goal of that grant is not that by the end of this meeting some something's been done or said that's explicitly Christian. It's just meant to be I think there's a real magic when you get Christians together with with unbelievers because there's a real community and people, they are touching Christ. Remember, I believe I'm a very sacramental guy. So there's a real, I think Christ is present when Christians are present and they're touching them. They're hanging with them. And yet don't force it. Don't, don't force the conversation. Just, just be, just be you. And, and hopefully you are filled with the spirit and you will be that kind of a person that people would think. And it's interesting. We have, we have a thing we call unsad where we go to a pub and it is a church sponsored thing, but you would never know it. We never say it. We don't even have it. We don't even do a welcome. We just say, Hey, bunch of us invite your friends. We're going down to a brew pub here and town and first one, first drinks on us. And people brought their colleagues after work. All these people are there and you could tell they're looking around going, what's going on here. There's gotta be an angle. And we'd all told ourselves, no, there's no angle. It's really just that. Let's just have fun together and be friends. And I was sitting there, obviously I'm a pastor and no one would have known that. And we're sitting there in this couple and I really was getting, getting along with them. We were having a wonderful conversation. And they said, by the way, you know, who put this, who's this, whose party is this? Is this, you know, who, who put this party on? It's really fun. I said, well, you know, our, our church, we just felt like we needed to have an unsad party at the height of the darkness, it's, the, it's meant to kind of flip a finger at, you know, the sadness of a, a you know, darkness. And so during what, February, early February, and they said, really? And I said, yeah, you know, so why are we doing it? Well, we just felt like we need to, you know, this is a time when people suffer suppression and things like that. And we just wanted to have some fun together. And they started asking a thousand questions. Like, man, they were interested now. And I was really reluctant. I mean, they were almost having to beg me. Yeah. And I just think we need to get into that, put ourselves in a context to answer the just question. Just be real, just in be third people, spaces just... where we as Christians could just yeah. be the church, but not put it on. Just be the people of God. Third spaces. What do you think? Wrapping up the show? Oh, we're already through? No. Come on. Let me do like two No, we questions. got a couple of minutes here. We got a couple. Let's it's do some rapid fires. Oh. Rapid we have till fire? we have till two thirty-five. Producers saying we got to go. But the but the fans, I know they want to okay, ask something. Okay, we we got to give him a couple of questions. It's going to be forty-five minutes. You had you had some questions you did. Let's, we'll do let's we'll do questions. a special episode. It's the last one. Yeah. Well, this is okay. our we last. have a little time though. We do. Because um, we we have to be out here else? three. But before, is there anything else? There seems to be one that the, the producer. I want to get your question. No, I've already X'd out. Let, let's do your question. My questions. question, I'm not even in the mood to ask it. My question is so deep. You said you had all, well, just ask one. Let's go. Get one you want to ask. You, you had a whole bunch of them you want to get in here. We can't shut you up, bro. Here's one. Okay, what's your question? 
Maybe it's like a personal thing I'm dealing with. Is this gonna be a therapy session here? It might have to. I mean, it yeah. might have to. You know, be, we're huh? in a third space. So maybe All right, third space. Maybe, go yeah, for maybe, it. Maybe we'll, go, maybe we'll go into that. But you know, I'm just asking it. We're not. Yeah. Um, I didn't come here to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be a theologian. What, you know? what am I? Oh man, see all this. See, one go of, ahead. Let's okay. Go for it. One of the things I was lamenting recently is, even as recent as last night, is. For some whatever and you and I were talking last night about this and you were drilling into me a little bit about this last night, um to be honest, is the concept of dreams. Dreams. I am we talked about dreams last night? Just like how many things are you gonna do, Alex? Oh, okay. You mean like uh like vocational vocational like, like aspirations. And, okay, I got you. And I'm definitely guilty of, of trying to do a lot of things all at the same time. Mm. That's just how I operate. I love it. It's crazy, but um, and I love that about you, in many ways. It, it comes with a cost, though, for sure. But anyway, and the cost lately has been a certain. How can I put this? It's like, why? Maybe I'm. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's just plagued with ideas and dreams and all this stuff. And why have dreams at all, if, if they're not gonna be fulfilled? Like, what's the? I, like, I don't. That's not the question. It's just. <laughs> this is existential. This is a this is existential. It's, my, it, it's a question, but I wrote, now it's not a question. What I wrote down it? my ideas never stop coming, and they come sporadically and randomly. If you're up to me, I would live a hundred lives and start five thousand businesses. What does that say about me? What does that say about God? Why do we have dreams? In life, one of the biggest aspiration aspir dreams. Yeah. Aspiration dreams. In life, we're told follow your dreams. Yeah. Never give up on your dream. Dream, 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 dream. Yeah. But yet, as we grow older a little bit, it's kind of a little bit like, you know, those dreams were nice when we were kids, but we grow up and get beards and and lose hair, and we start to put those aside. And I'm, I'm wondering, what is the purpose of, of that side? Like, should we lean into that harder, or should we just like dismiss that? It does it have to? Could it be a both and? I guess what I'm asking is. Because I know I'm not alone. The American dream. What is what is the point of dreams? Aspirational dreams. Is it for vain glory? Well, I think you were created, as we talked about the image of God, we we're all created and he created us with dreams. A dream of of but but what we what went wrong in in the fall, but also in the Tower of Babel is when those dreams got detached from the ultimate trajectory of our purposeful history as made in the image of God, which was to construct or to order God's kingdom in life in the life of the world where humanity would flourish. And so, you know, we now divide that into common grace and special grace kinds of aspirations. But um, the common being that kind of aspiration that wants to serve God in the way in which God manifests His grace to all people of all faiths and none. It's common grace. And then there's those special grace aspects where it's particularly focused on the gospel. And that special revelation that comes through God's intervening into life, ultimately in the word and, and sacrament and government of the church in a churchy sense, but ultimately in Christ. And so there's a passage that just came to my mind, Proverbs, I think three, five, 
or three, three, five, I can, but trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on our understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, he will guide your path straight. And then and then there's there's somewhere in there, I think it, then it goes in, he will grant you the desires of your heart. And sometimes- And then it, like a it, chapter later, it says, um, there, there's a way that seems right yeah, in your eyes, that's good. But, but then it leads to death. Is, so there was that, that passage though, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. That, that part I think has been really misunderstood. If you read the Hebrew, it's a lot clearer, but the, the passage seems to suggest, hey, give your life to God, you know, love him, you know, get on his good side and whatever you want, he will provide for you. And I don't think that's what it says. It's more in a passive sense there. It's, it's if for those who trust the Lord, in other words, they, think about that, just stop there. Trust the Lord, which means I have nothing to prove. I'm totally accepted and loved as in my relationship with Christ. Trust the Lord, I have nothing to fear. Everything in life is under God's decrees. We call it providence. And therefore there is a purposefulness to everything that happens in my life. Everything that I am and I'm not, based on my, my birth, what I am and what I'm not is all decreed. I don't have to force myself to be something I'm not. And you, you put all that together, and what I think that passage says is that, and God will give to you the wisdom that you will need to know, or the desire of your, your passions will then reflect that you're trusting God, will reflect that you're purposely wanting to steward your life for God. So I do think that we have to be honest about, so that you're getting to this thing about stewardship, I think, the, the, that's where I would go. It's that our life has a meaning and purpose. As a believer, I believe that purpose fits with what he asked Adam and Eve to do, which was to bring all of life into the kingdom order of God, where we know there is flourishing and beauty and goodness and love and all of that and ask the question then, what are my dreams? Are they, are they dreams only to exalt myself? Well, let's, let's, let's either, we need to scrutinize that. If my dreams is just to try to prove to the world how amazing I am in so many words, eh, that could lead us into a lot of bad dreams, maybe. Or maybe they're good dreams for bad reasons. And then that one might say, because see, all those, hundreds of passions that you have. Well, every time you give yourself to this passion, you're just taking yourself off of this passion. So at some point, you're gonna to have to ask the question, what's the priority of my passions? What are my top two passions, three passions? You think we'll be able to live out the, the dreams that, let's just say they were good dreams or godly dreams in heaven? There's a lot of discussion about that. It's interesting in Corinthians that he speaks of our work and there's gonna be that which is built upon, what what is it, uh, stubble or, or it's gold and silver and stubble and hay or whatever that will not pass through the fire of judgment even though you will. Yeah. That passage in, I think it's three, chapter three. Um, I, I think there's some things, and that, that, but then it seems to assume that there will be works that we do, there will be things that we do that will actually pass through the, into the fifth dimension of heaven or that new heaven and earth. Remember, we think heaven and earth is this earth, this heaven restored in its Edenic glory. And um, we see that in Revelations where heaven comes to earth and stays here. 
Earth is heaven. So if that's true, I, I suspect that there will be some continuity between what we've done in this life, the part that we've done that passes through that judgment, the part that really is glorifying to God, that really is in the service of, of, of His kingdom and love, I think that part will pass into heaven and, um, and you will see maybe the fruits of that. And it won't be just, by the way, who we've led to Christ or, you know, certainly my work of, of being a witness and influencing people in the manner that they, it's part of the domino of events that led a person to Christ. When I look at my life, there were several people that entered into that sequence of events over a period of years that finally culminated in my coming to Christ. I would say that past, that work of, of witness will pass through heaven. But I think we don't want to undermine the work of, you know, all vocations that are even for the common good. A woodworker. Yes, uh, to the degree, I mean, is it inconceivable that the owl shop will be in heaven? No, not to me. I know it sounded radical, but why not? Why wouldn't I come here? Whatever about the owl shop is not God-worthy and glorifying won't be here. But if this is worthy, it'll be here. Why not? It's not that God's going to destroy everything on earth to make a new heaven. He's going to restore. Everything's become new. There's two words for new, neos and, and kainos. And I think the new is the restored. So this will be restored if it needs to be, but it won't be necessarily new, brand new. I don't know. So yes, I think there's some continuity between what we do in this life and the next. To answer your question, simply. Maybe that's a good segue to but give it, it. But to do that, to your point, baby, I do think we probably are gonna have to find some priorities because for instance, you know, I have time to- Time's ticking, baby. Well, yeah, we have a limited amount of time and, and what we can accomplish with our lives is limited because of that. And we probably need to, as we get older, you really appreciate that. that I'll never forget it. The first time that it hit me is that it dawned upon me because I'd always had aspirations to do a couple of things. And, and it dawned upon me, for me to go down this path and start graduate schools and all of this, that pretty much de facto rules out a lot of vocational options. And that reality starts hitting you in very micro ways as well. I'm gonna ask you one last question. What did you wanna be when you were a little boy? Oh, it just, like probably a lot of people, I'll never forget, I went to my, my reunion, 40 year reunion, and there's a girl there, we're friends, and I never knew this, but she said I was in first grade, she was in my class, and everybody was asked, what do they wanna be when they grow up? And um, I basically said, I wanna be the President of the United States. I can And see she that. reminded me of that. <laughs> and of course, right now I can tell you there's absolutely nothing I would prefer not to do than be a politician, by far. Not even getting close to it, but I, and I wouldn't be a good one anyway. I'm just not. I think you well, too prophetic. But but uh, but the point is is that uh, you know that just shows you that just changed. I mean, I went through all kinds of iterations. More seriously, I started off in college as a pre-vet major. Then I became a pre-med major and finished that with a pre-med psychology major. And um, and now look what me I'm doing. So. Is there any other final questions? 
This is the last one, bro. I know. For the year. I don't know how to end it. Hey, we, are we going to have some this summer? I hope. We're, we're, we're Why don't gonna, we come back here maybe one or two times and have a little? I don't want to do. I want to get out in the wild. Oh, we're going to do that. Third, I want the fourth space. You want the fourth space? Nature. nature. Yeah. <laughs> I really truly do. I want to be well, out in we're the woods. That too. Wild. Our hair. So is hey guys, weird. I'll play your game. Stay tuned for our Adirondack smoking theologians. It's coming soon. How about that? Did and I do if, good? And if Can you, you like clap the, your hand now? And if you like the show. Oh no, I'm not going to do that part. Come on. Uh, I'm Come if you like the show, watch it. <laughs> thank you guys for, for honestly, thank you for, for listening all the all these episodes and it really means a lot to us. You know, it motivates us and encourages us. And, yes, it does motivate us. Um, yeah, you know, and, and if you do like the show, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, share with your friends and fam. Um, Introduce us some of your podcasts. I mean, some of your, uh, uh, not podcasts, um, blogs. Yeah, get the blogs going. Get the blogs you're on. Get us in there. Get the blogs going. And uh, we'll see you soon. We're not done yet. This is just a little goodbye. What are we toasting? Today is questions. To questions. We love questions, actually. Maybe we find some answers. That's a good thing. Yes. Cheers. And thank you, the producers who've been. We got to shout out. You guys, you guys got to They should get on camera and, like, give a little wave. We'll we'll do it. Just swing it around. Show them where they are. You can't just swing it around with all the lights. Yeah, you can. Get that thing, pick it up, and show it around. This is Annie McHugh. She is our lovely hey, producer. She is, has been here since day one. Come so on, come in. So we have 15 minutes to get, take this No, I want, I want to get this guy in. Okay, yeah, get this guy there in there. Go. We are smoking theologians. Oh yeah, cool. Oh, look at that. You can get that that close? You'll yeah, be able to we'll get see that? We'll see if that works. All right, that was fun. That was good. Oh, sure. Yeah, let's have we one. should do like a yeah, Madonna. We all act like we're never gonna do this again. I'm sad. I don't want to end it. Why are we at 15 minutes? You just listened to Smokin' Theologians. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe. Consider a five-star rating and share it with your friends. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the show. Write to us at holler at smokintheologians.com. No G in smoking. <laughs>